0: so much for joining me on Satiate today. I'm Sue Van Rees, functional nutritionist, food psychology specialist, author, and founder of Boulder Nutrition here in Boulder, Colorado. I also lead women's wellness and yoga retreats both locally and internationally. Food has so much power. Power to nourish, to strengthen, and to connect us to That said, it's a true rarity to find a woman today who is at peace with her plate, with how she eats, how she looks, and how she feels in her body. Satiate is here to engage in meaningful conversation about what it really means to have food and body freedom, to show up in life as who you really are, to trust yourself tracking the intelligent design of your body and to prosper with embodied self-care in doing so. Satiate offers you functional nutrition and food psychology insights, some of my favorite special guests and experts from all over the world, and some personal insights and anecdotes that can act as salve for your soul. If you love this podcast, I would be so grateful if you head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. That way, you'll be sure to be alerted when new episodes are published and help me spread the word so that other women in need can find their way to this important conversation. Thank you so much for being here today, and I hope you enjoy today's episode of Satiate. To take a moment and introduce to you today's special guest, Dr. Erin Kinney. Dr. Kinney is a naturopathic doctor, a prominent speaker, and podcast host who charts customized healing paths for women to improve their mood, balance their hormones, and increase their energy. Her patients come to her from all over the country for help finding the root causes of adrenal fatigue, hypothyroidism, PMS perimenopause, menopause, and all associated symptoms that can occur when our hormones are out of balance. Her diagnosis, treatment protocols, and teachings help women rebalance their bodies so they can achieve optimal health and live their best lives. For the past 10 years, she has run a private practice, hosted workshops and retreats, and spoken at private and corporate events. If you want to learn more about her, You can head over to her website, DrAaronKinney.com, or check out her podcast, The Dr. Kinney Show. Onward with today's episode, and let's dive in. Thank you so much for joining me on Satiate today. It's such a pleasure to have you and to be back recording with you, but with a slightly different reversal. So I'm so glad you're here.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I didn't have another chat. We had such a fun chat on my podcast. It was great. I know we're like trading podcasts. I love yeah. it. Um yeah,
0: so I was really excited to find out that you specialize in a lot of women's health and adrenal health and these topics that are very important and very up right now for a lot of people. And so I'd love to start off getting a little bit about you and your work and what brought you to be in the field of natural medicine and naturopathic medicine, such an amazing field to be in these days. So
1: when I, I always wanted to be a doctor, I actually wanted to be an ER doctor when I was a little girl. I loved George Clooney and I loved ER and I used to watch that show over and over again. So I went to undergrad and I was pre-med and I did have a stint in the ER and I didn't sleep for a night and I don't do very well without sleep. And it very quickly became clear to me that I was probably not going to do well in the field of emergency medicine because you don't sleep. I had a couple of personal experiences with the Western medicine world that did not go over so well. I won't go into detail of that because it's a long story, but I eventually, in my sophomore year, decided I don't think medicine's for me. I became a psych major with a double major in business. And I ended up working for my family business after college, which is industrial manufacturing about 6 months in i got severely depressed i was 22 years old i was living in a very small town i gained about 30 pounds i'd gone from running marathons to i could barely even get out of bed i was crying every morning and so eventually my parents sat me down and they said we we think you need to go see a doctor there's definitely something wrong with you and i was like you know i could i could barely even get out of bed i was very depressed. I went to my GP and he's like, yep, you're depressed. Here's some Wellbutrin. And writes me a script and sends me no other questions, just you're depressed. Here's a drug. And I was really turned off by that because I had, you know, even though I, I've been interested in medicine my whole life, I had been exposed to a lot of alternative practices, my mom was interested in, you know, I'd, I'd had acupuncture, I'd seen nutritionists, I'd done that, and I was like, well, this doctor didn't even ask me any questions about, I had become a vegan, I've been a vegan for the few years prior, um, my lifestyle had changed drastically, and, and I was like, this just seems like there's got to be something else. I went back to therapy because I thought maybe therapy could help. And my therapist actually referred me to a naturopathic doctor. She said, you know, I feel like there's something nutritionally that just might be off. You stopped eating meat, you know, you were running so much, maybe there's something going on. So I went and had a visit with this naturopathic doctor and he ran a whole host of lab work and he actually diagnosed me with adrenal fatigue. I had severely low B12. My iron was low. All of my neurotransmitters were low and he's like, well, no wonder you're depressed. And so we started to have this conversation and he put me on this protocol and within about, I think 10 weeks, I'd lost a bunch of weight. My joint pain went away. I had more energy. I'd stopped crying all the time. I got better very, very, I mean, I was 22. So, you know, typically we get better pretty quickly when we're that young, but he also talked to me about, did I like what I was doing? Did I like where I was living? He, you know, he encouraged me to stay back in therapy. It was this beautiful, it was a beautiful visit. And I felt like he really saw me for who I was. And after I started feeling better, I I, sat, I actually asked him if he would go to lunch with me because I said, this is such a cool medicine. How did you How did you do this? I would like to do this. I love medicine. This interests me. And he actually told me not to become an naturopathic doctor. He's like, well, this is a profession. that's really not that easy. It's going to be hard to find a job. And maybe you shouldn't do it. Maybe you should go be an MD. And I was like, no, I really want this training. Anyways, he's now a very good friend of mine. But so I ended up going back to school, taking a couple classes. And oh, no, wait, I forgot the most important part of the story this, I, <laughs> I didn't share it. So this before I, before I decided to go back to school while I was getting better, I quit my job working for my, for my family business. And I got a job in recruiting. So I was working, interviewing people all day long, which I love to talk to people. So I'm, I'm recruiting, talking to people all day long. And about six months into this job, my boss sits me down and says, Aaron, you're not in the right field. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, you keep bringing me these resumes and you're telling me about how the woman here, you know, she lost her job because she had lupus and you're telling me all about her lupus. She's like, I don't give a crap about her lupus. I want to know about her job skills. She goes, but you care about her health. And I was like, wow, wow my boss was very good at her job. So she basically told me, she's like, you need to go figure out how to do whatever this is. So then I had lunch with the doctor anyway. So that, so that was kind of my journey. And I went back to naturopathic school and then here I am ending, and I ended up specializing in treating what I went through, you know, all those years ago.
0: Right. Similar to what we talked about with me, you know, my blood sugar story and your adrenal story. It's like we have so much passion when we learn about our own conditions and bodies from this wise place of healing that it's so powerful to be able to share that. So thank you for sharing that story. That's so impactful. And it really segues well into one of the topics that I really, really want to feature in today's episode, which is adrenal fatigue. And Obviously, our world has been fairly chaotic for the last two years, and it's been piling stress on people even more than it had before, which was already significant. And people are fried. And I have many of my clients talking to me about sleep issues and noticing their energy is low and feeling like they just don't have that same get up and go gusto that they used to have. And I thought it would be just so helpful for people to hear some of your strategies around what you suggest and how people would even know if they have something that we might be calling adrenal fatigue or be on that spectrum. And what are the things to look for first and
1: foremost? So we can start there with one of the things to look for. There's a lot of things that you can look for, a lot of a lot of symptoms, adrenal fatigue can show up in a lot of different ways. I'm actually going to back up and and start by just describing how you get to adrenal fatigue, because I think that's a better way to get into the... So let's all imagine and go back to March of 2020, where we were all constantly being put into a stress-triggered place, right? It was every time you read the news, every time you looked outside, whatever. It was just constantly our our amygdalas were being triggered to go into fight-flight response. And when we're in chronic stress, our body is constantly pumping out cortisol and adrenaline. And we were designed to have this acute stress response if we needed to be in the fight flight stage for whatever reason, pump out cortisol and adrenaline for a short period of time, and then it goes away. Cortisol is a very metabolically expensive molecule to make. So if we're making it for an acute situation, and then we stop making it, we're okay on an energetic perspective. If we're making it all the time at high levels, so the analogy a lot of people will say is burning the candle at both ends. So if you're really, really busy and you're not sleeping and you're in stress mode all the time, you will eventually start to run out of levels of your cortisol levels will start to run low. And so when you get to this place where your cortisol tank is low, right, this is when we start to see symptoms and the symptoms that can show up. Sometimes it can, it can start when you're in the When you're about to run low in cortisol, when you're still kind of in the burning the candle at both ends phase, this is where people will start to have issues with sleep. They'll say, oh, I'm having trouble falling asleep or I'm having trouble staying asleep. I'm waking up at 3 a.m. at 4 a.m. at 5 a.m. I can't seem to go back to sleep. I'm having anxious racing thoughts. They might have heart palpitations. They might feel like they're in this tired but wired state. So they're tired during the day, but they feel wired at night. That's a really good indication that your adrenals are kind of starting to go towards the downtrend. And then the important thing to understand about cortisol is that cortisol is your body's, I like to call it the body's natural fix-it hormone. It's your body's natural steroid. So everyone listening probably has heard of prednisone before. Prednisone is a synthetic steroid. Cortisol is your body's own way of being an anti inflammatory So the body uses cortisol to fix a lot of things. So if your cortisol levels start to go low, you might start to have inflammation issues pop up. You may start to have, to have acne. You might have joint pain. You may have muscle pain. You may have wounds that don't heal. You may have low energy. You may have um, changes in your skin, your hair, your nails. You might have constipation. There are a lot of different symptoms. You could have blood sugar dysregulation, which we talked about on the podcast we recorded. So adrenal fatigue can look like a lot of different things. Probably the most common symptoms that I see are fatigue, just general fatigue, sometimes a little bit of brain fog. Um, sometimes insomnia will be in there too. joint pain, muscle pain, not feeling great after exercise, or they're struggling to get through a workout that used to be really easy for them. Those are usually, those are usually the most common signs that I see. I know I kind of took a long way to get there, but that was your question. No,
0: no, that's so important for us to understand. I think it's so integral to
1: this conversation. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, if, if you're, if you're kind of struggling with anxiety can be a big one too, and or mild depression. I think the biggest thing is a lot of people will go to their doctor and they're like, I don't feel good. I'm not sleeping well. I'm tired. I'm this, this, and this, and they get general labs done and their doctor's like, oh, you're fine. You're just stressed. And they're kind of just, it's just written off as stress, or in my case, I, it was written off as, oh, you're just depressed. I had a very, very severe case of adrenal fatigue where it, it manifested almost like severe depression, which can happen in some cases. Um, you know, and my, you know, my doctor was like, oh, here's an antidepressant. So if you've been told, you know, oh, Hey, here's an antidepressant or, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. You just need to reduce your stress, but you really feel like something physically is off. That's when it might be good to seek out a provider who could help you maybe work on treating your adrenals a little bit.
0: Great. So what are your next steps with with clients or or patients that are struggling with adrenal fatigue? I know there's like an entire uh, protocol and that includes so many different aspects, including lifestyle, including food, including supplements, including exercise. Tell me, can you walk us through some of the most important pillars for
1: for us to kind of look into? The first thing that's really important to understand is and I always tell my patients this or people that I'm explaining is you have to figure out what's keeping your body in fight flight all the time. Right. So, and sometimes that's external factors. So I always talk about, okay, what are, what does, what is keeping you in the stress state? What got you to adrenal fatigue in the first place? Is it your job? Is it your marriage? Is it your kids? Is it, you know, is it a common, is it the pandemic? And maybe some of these things we can't control, but it's very helpful to identify what the external factors are. The other thing that I'm also looking for when I'm working with patients is sometimes you can have Internal factors that are draining your adrenal. So, if you have any sort of chronic infection like Lyme disease or Epstein Barr or long-haul COVID or anything that's living in your body that shouldn't be there, that can also be something that can put your system into fight-flight that maybe isn't extra. So, I had patients that will come in, they're like, I don't know how I have adrenal fatigue. I have no stress. I, my kids are grown. I don't have any financial problems. I meditate. I go to yoga, but their system is still stuck in fight-flight oftentimes I will find that maybe they have Lyme or they've got, you know, some sort of infection that we're dealing with. So I typically want to make sure we get to what is triggering their you know, because if it is Lyme disease, I can make them meditate every day until they're, blue you know, until they are like the, but that's not going to help there. we got to get rid of the Lyme first, right? So if there's something that's stressing the body out internally, sometimes that could be a nutrient deficiency as well. So there are a lot of things that can cause internal stress. So we've got to make sure that we've, we've accounted for those. And then, The thing I start, I will always start with diet and lifestyle. So, you know, as you so very well know, keeping blood sugar balanced is very, very important. So we talk about making sure that someone is on the right nutritional plan for them. Are we getting enough protein? Or if that's the case, are we keeping your blood sugar in such a state that we're not having blood sugar highs and lows that could trigger the stress response? Um, So we talk about that. Then we talk, I usually will look at exercise when we're looking at lifestyle stuff, because Mm -hmm. a lot of women that are, if they have adrenal fatigue, sometimes they got there because they over-exercise. That was my story was I had become a vegan and I was running marathons every two months. I was running 50 to 60 miles a week and I wasn't feeding, I literally wasn't giving my body enough nutrients and I was depleting the hell out of it. So I got to a place, my adrenals just, they could not make anything because I kept, I was basically running myself. I was in fight flight all the time, Right with running all the time. So, so sometimes we can over-exercise to a point where that's stressing us out. So making sure that the exercise routine that you're on is not taxing your adrenals. And one of the ways that I typically will tell people, cause people will ask, well, how do I know if what I'm doing is too much for my adrenals or too? You can, if you know what your resting heart rate is. So let's say that, you know, if you wear a, a heart rate monitor or an Apple watch and let's say your resting heart rate on average is 64. If you're 64 and let's say you go for a four mile run, if the next day your resting heart rate is 10 beats per minute higher or more than it normally is, you overdid it the day before. So you can wow. use that as a gauge. Yeah. So your heart rate will respond, particularly that first morning resting heart rate. And that could be, I mean, maybe you moved the day before and you were up. It, anything that's stressed out your adrenals to a point where it's affected the cardiovascular system typically means you overdid it. So so that's a nice way for you to be able to tell, oh, I did this hit class on Tuesday and Wednesday, my resting heart rate was a little elevated. So maybe that 45 minute hit class is not the right thing for me. On Wednesday, I did a restorative yoga and a long walk and my, you know, on Thursday morning, my heart rate was normal. So that's a good way for you listeners to gauge like, is your exercise taxing your adrenals or because exercise is a really important part of any sort of, you know, healthcare plan or practice that we're, we're kind of developing, but we don't want it to be taxing your system. We want it to be enhancing your healing journey. Um, so that's just a quick way that you can tell if it's too much or too little. So helpful
0: because I know often we're talking about exercise within adrenal health conversations, but I actually haven't heard something that we can do at home. That is simple. That is really going to show us because everyone's different our relationship to exercise is different where we came from, where we started. I know for me, like my body was used to exercising for four hour durations as a competitive gymnast, you know? So for me, I feel like if I don't move my body enough during the day, I can really feel not like myself, but also as we age and as we go through different phases of life, it's so interesting how that can change. And so being able to track something that's already within your body that's music to my ears. So thank you. That's such a valuable
1: tip. You're welcome. And just what you said, you know, sometimes in life, you may be able to do really intense exercise and your body's going to cope with it. And you might have other times in life where you can't. So again, this is a nice, pretty quick feedback. You know, I think if you're a female and you're listening, um, you know, you might have weeks during your cycle where more intense exercise, your body's gonna respond better to it. Maybe the week before your period, you might want to do more calming, restorative things, but maybe when you're ovulating, it might be different. So it's sometimes it's cool to track that mm-hmm. and know within really? the rhythm of your monthly cycle that certain types of exercise might be better during certain times of the month.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's such an interesting thing when we start tracking into the cycles and how that plays into this whole conversation. So great reminder.
1: Um, do you want to continue on through your protocol yeah, sure. and what you're so talking okay. about figuring out what was going on, looking at diet, looking at exercise. And then, you know, people always ask like, well, what about supplementation? Supplementation is a big part of, you know, when I treat adrenal fatigue, the lifestyle practices are the biggest aspect. I'm going to say that again, they are the biggest part of the treatment plan. If you don't do those, your adrenals aren't going to get better. So, and So that's looking at exercise. That's looking at diet. It's also typically making sure you are resting enough for your needs, whether that's getting enough sleep or perhaps adding in a restful type of activity during the day. Meditation is a great one. Reading, listening to music, something that's calming your nervous system in the middle of the day is almost paramount. If you're going to get better from adrenal fatigue, like I said, supplements are wonderful but what I've seen is people will sometimes do a supplement protocol. They feel better for a while, but if they don't make the lifestyle changes, they will just end up back in adrenal fatigue again, six months to a year later. So changing again, looking, you know, making sure your exercise routine fits in, making sure the diet fits in and then adding some sort of practice where you're resting. And that could look different to everyone. You know, meditation is a great practice. It's not for everyone. Some people, it's not their thing. Some people it might be, you know, I, I, Often will prescribe lay down for 10 minutes and put on your favorite music and listen to it. Calming music, maybe not heavy metal, but something that's calming (laughs) to the nervous system. Just laying down, you know, that is a form of meditation. Or if your brain is too busy and that doesn't feel calm, sometimes reading a novel about something that's so far removed from what's going on in your current life, that could be something that's calming to your nervous system. And so I often will encourage my patients to try different calming practices and find the one that works for you because ultimately at the end of the day, we just want you to do it every day, right? So, so some Mm -hmm. sort of calming practice during the day is something that I'm typically recommending. And then the supplement protocol is going to look different based on what people's nutritional needs are. So, you know, some people are going to be super low in magnesium B6 and B12. And those are the things we're going to be increasing. Uh, Some people actually, I will be giving them herbs to help balance cortisol levels, but that's, that's, I can't give blanket advice for that. That's typically a practitioner, but the other things that I mentioned, those are all really important. And, and like I said, they are the most important aspects to getting the adrenals, you know, back into a healthy state.
0: Wonderful. So we've got nutritional requirements and that's going to be different for everyone. As we know, I'm sure that working with somebody like you is a great way to figure out some of those different plans that will suit someone with a different metabolism and who has maybe some early stages of adrenal fatigue versus even some, you know, more elaborate stages of along the way to adrenal fatigue. And then also I'm just recapping lifestyle exercise and really looking at how we're resting. Um, I have a couple of sort of spontaneous questions about that one of the things i've noticed is that a lot of cl- my clients who are experiencing adrenal fatigue are really having trouble sleeping. and how can we i mean i love adding in restful times during the day but what are we what what can we do to help ourselves sleep better in the process of healing our adrenals it's so
1: tricky. it is it is tricky because not sleeping is partially why that that you are where you are, right? so right I, I like to say that sometimes let's, let's see it. My favorite things to do are first, we want to make sure that your body is it's basically like we're resetting your circadian rhythm. Oftentimes when your adrenals have upset, your sleep cycle, it's almost as if you're jet lagged, right? If you're someone who's waking up wide awake at 3am, your, your cortisol surging too early, or if you're someone who's exhausted in the morning and you have so much energy at night and you can't fall asleep, your cortisol is flip-flopped. So we need to reset circadian rhythms. So we want to make sure that you're waking up, you know, at the same time, keeping up a, a rhythm is really important. So waking up at the same time, getting morning sunlight, super important. So getting outside, In the morning whether it's dark and gloomy you just need to get outside and have some sort of sunlight hit your face you can use a light box if you're living somewhere where it's not light or this is not feasible and you could have the light box turn on every morning you just you want your body to know that it's supposed to be producing cortisol in those morning hours so we want to start with that i will oftentimes recommend even if melatonin has not worked for you i will often recommend a small dose of melatonin in the evening to that same effect to help reset the circadian rhythm melatonin and cortisol have direct opposing actions so when melatonin is high the body thinks that cortisol needs to be low if melatonin is low the body will think cortisol needs to be high so a little bit of melatonin and then the other big lifestyle thing is getting off of screens before bed Mm -hmm. so if you want to go to bed at 10 a.m or 10 p.m no more screens after seven like your computer needs to go off tv needs to go off you need to read a book The outside in nature, screens emit blue light, which inhibits the pineal gland from producing melatonin. They also can stress us out a little bit, so you're going to get cortisol production, which then tells the brain we don't need melatonin, and melatonin is what helps you sleep. So some of these basic things, and they're they're kind of the harder things to do. We all want the pill to take to fall asleep, but I will tell you, there was a magic pill for sleep, and I knew about it. I'd be a gazillion. (laughs) There's not really a magic pill, particularly with adrenal fatigue, sleep issues. You really have to start to work with some of these circadian rhythm, you know, practices. So mm-hmm. morning. And I I do also, you know, if you can go for a walk in the morning and get outside, that is a really great, it doesn't have to be very long, five to 10 minutes. We have a dog you're probably already having to do this anyways. Go take your dog for a walk, get outside um get off of screens in the evening a little bit of melatonin those are those are my favorite kind of blanket tips for sleeping and don't be frustrated if it doesn't happen right away you might have to do those for right. a couple of weeks to start to to start to see results so and that, and that's the other thing about adrenal fatigue is it took you a while to get there it's typically not a quick fix to get out of it and especially yeah. with the sleep issue and i know I have struggled with sleep in the past. We all just want, oh, where's, where's the thing I can take before bed that will help me fall asleep? I mean, and there are yeah. some, there are certain supplementation that we can try, but I, I, I haven't found one that, you know, completely fixes sleep very quickly. We typically have to do some of these lifestyle adjustments to get the sleep back into a regular pattern. Mm-hmm.
0: It's so interesting how these are super complex issues that our bodies create based on stress and lifestyle how we still can go back to simplicity within something so primal as circadian rhythm and getting daily sunlight and getting downtime and rest. And those are like ancient remedies and ancient ways of living that are so at our fingertips. And yet they can feel so far away when we're immersed in our like routines and our daily lives and our, all the things that we have, you know, kind of overstimulating our systems. One of the things that I was wanting to ask you as well is regarding superfoods or adaptogens that are your favorites. I have some of mine as well, but I would love to hear, you know, kind of your overview on things that we could all add in that would potentially help with, with adrenal fatigue and repair.
1: So as far as like things that are safe for everyone in a, in a superfood sense, that also have some, I love medicinal mushrooms. So reiki shiitake, they're really great. They have immune boosting benefits. They do have some adaptogenic property, um, and they're great. You can either eat mushrooms, you can take them in a powder form, you can take them in a capsule. There's, I like um, four stigmatic has some great kind of coffee yeah, alternative yeah. That you can drink instead. Um, and then my two favorite adaptogenic herbs, which mostly are safe to take Are ashwagandha and rhodiola if you have any major ragweed allergies make sure to talk to your doctor before taking ashwagandha or if you have hyperthyroidism might not be the best herb for you but in general ashwagandha tends to be a pretty safe herb i love that and i love rhodiola those are my two favorites there are lots of herbs in the adaptogenic family but those are the two that i use the most commonly do you, do you use those as well what are what are your favorites i'm curious.
0: Yeah, actually ashwagandha, I would have said right off the bat as well. And I love for Sigmatic. They make everything so much easier because it's like included in the products you would already use, such as their coffee or their protein powder or the powders you can add into your smoothie or to your um, daily, you know, beverages. And it's so much easier than having to go foraging for some of those functional mushrooms. And for some of those herbs but that's some of my favorites and ashwagandha absolutely um and i'm trying to think i think just like a really hearty multivitamin that has a good amount of bees and things that are going to just give you a good foundation i don't know if we call that a superfood, but it's sort of a you know foundational aspect that i think a lot of us are overseeing because we're just in that fight or flight go mode all the time and yeah you know, we don't have time to sit down to eat. We don't have time to take our vitamins. We don't have time to give ourselves more downtime. And, you know, it's, it's a whole rabbit hole of, um, our culture, it's really like our our culture is not set up to support us. And so finding our own way through that is, is tricky, but it's rewarding and it's helpful. Um, but I just, you know, I really appreciate your insights on this.
1: Of course. I was just going to say to the, you know, if you're finding that you're too busy to eat or running around all the time, you know, when you are in stress mode all the time, your digestion is not fully activated. And you were just mentioning a multivitamin. I, if you're really stressed out and you're not having, I would, I don't like people to skip meals. And as I'm sure you don't either. I like people to make yeah. sure that I'm a, I'm a big fan of if it works for you, a pro a protein powder, almost a medicinal food type thing in the morning, if you're a breakfast skipper, a habitually skipping breakfast, not great for someone with adrenal fatigue is it's going to, you're going to get a cortisol dip. You're going to get a and then, excuse me, you'll get a blood sugar dip, blood sugar high, which will mess with your cortisol stuff. So I, I really like a smoothie or a protein shake of some kind that will give you nutrients. It's really easy for the digestive tract to absorb those already broken down protein molecules because when you're on the go, it's harder for you to absorb nutrients. So I'm, I'm a big fan of that. If you're wanting to make one small change with your diet, that's something I will typically recommend. If it's easy for you to throw a couple of things in a blender and bring it on the go with you, that's a nice way. If you're not quite ready to, you know, calm your life down a little bit, that could be something that can be beneficial as you move forward.
0: Absolutely. I just even imagine myself driving through traffic some days and feeling that clench in you know holding the steering wheel tight and kind of feeling that rush of life and catching myself and just having a moment of being like i can relax at the red light and let my grip of the steering wheel calm down a little bit and realize that me gripping isn't actually going to get me anywhere any faster and you know that recognition of when we go into that space of like fast moving you know just you know in that stressful rush of life it's such a great opportunity to like work with our awareness around it as well and to see where sometimes it's almost like an automatic pattern that isn't even getting us anywhere you know like we're not getting to work quicker just because we're clenching the steering wheel or swerving in and out of you know traffic um so it's it's such an interesting process of looking at all these different layers and seeing where we can shift our perspective and where we can shift some of those automatic behaviors. Um, But it's also fascinating to see how when we have all these layers together that they can have some synergy and the food piece, the lifestyle piece, the exercise piece, the rest piece. When someone comes to you with this severe feeling of burnout what do you tell them as far as timelines, if they are on board with these different aspects of repair?
1: Um, that will depend on, again, how long it took them to get there. You know, if they've been burning the candle at both ends for 20 years, I'm going to tell them it might be a couple of years to get your system to calm down. Um, and that's going to, depend, it's going to depend on a lot of factors on their age, their how, you know, how diligent they're going to be with the protocol. Um, it's not, it's not an overnight fix. I would say six months, probably minimum for most of the cases that I see. That doesn't mean they won't start feeling better sooner, but I think to get the system back, um, you know, they get sleep back and to get all the things it can, it can take a little while. Um, so it's either, I, again, I wish there was a quick fix for this, but there, there typically isn't. Um, and you know, what I don't want is for people to, if there was a you know, it, it, sometimes supplements can make you feel. You'll be like, "Oh, I'm on the supplement protocol, and I feel great." And you might be burning yourself out in a different way. And then three months later, end up feeling worse. And you know, if, if you're not if you're not incorporating, like I said, the lifestyle practices in along with your treatment protocol. So yeah, I mean that that's going to vary. But six months is usually about an average amount of time that I will spend working with someone who's got moderate adrenal fatigue.
0: Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom about this. I know you have a great downloadable freebie on your website regarding adrenal health. So we can definitely point our listeners to, to that website, which is Dr. Is it Dr. Aaron Kinney or Dr. Aaron Kinney, my
1: full name spelled out.com. Yeah. So you can go there. There's, you can download the free adrenal guide and you can listen to my show. I've got stuff on Instagram. I talk about adrenal fatigue all the time. I've got some little infographics if you want to learn more about it.
0: Yeah. And absolutely. And your amazing podcast, the Dr. Kinney show, which I was featured on as well. It's such a great thing to add to your uh, podcast subscription list and check yeah. out the many episodes of wonderful topics that you share. And I have one last question for you. Sure. It's a question I like to ask at the end of my podcast. Um, what does it mean to be
1: satiated to you? Oh, that's a good good question i would say i hear that term and it makes me think obviously you know being full and making but i i that term feels like that if i'm satiated i'm fully content and happy in all aspects of my life like if i'm eating a meal and it feels good but i'm i'm also you know enjoying time with my family and i feel good about my work i feel satiated feels like everything everything in my life is making me feel full and happy
0: Mm, I love that. And that really is integrative health in a sense. So it's perfect.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate your wisdom. And hopefully some of our listeners will head over to grab that freebie and learn more about your work and how they can enhance their health through all these different methodologies and um, modalities. And it's so good to see you. And nice so good to be with Thanks you again. For having me. Yeah. Absolutely. I will be in touch. It is such an honor to spend time with you here on Satiate. And may this conversation be of benefit. From my heart to yours, I wish you health and happiness for the coming season. And may we meet again here very soon. Take.